This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dr. Dawn on Careers. Welcome to Dr. Dawn on Careers on Sirius XM 132. This is Dr. Dawn Graham, and we've made it to May. It's been a crazy two months, and although we're still sheltering in place here in Philly, we're working hard to continue to bring the latest career tips and advice here on Sirius XM. So follow me at Dr. Dawn Graham on Twitter to stay current with the latest updates. We've got a great show for you today, kicking off with the best of career talk, where we welcome Dr. Art Markman. He is the author of several books, his most recent being Bring Your Brain to Work, Using Cognitive Science to Get a Job, Do It Well, and Advance Your Career. We'll be covering imposter syndrome, cognitive biases, and decision-making, and how understanding how you approach these can lead to greater success in your job search and career. And stay tuned because later on in the show after the break, we'll be talking about the changes that will be critical to your career success after the coronavirus crisis. The world is transforming. And so stay tuned to learn the skills that will be most essential going forward. And once again, thank you to all of those on the front line who are helping to keep us healthy, fed, and supplied. And a big shout out to Dion and Dana, who are always working hard behind the scenes at SiriusXM 132 to bring you the best information and resources every Thursday at noon Eastern on Dr. Dawn on Careers. Let's dive into the show. Today, we're going to talk about another favorite topic of mine, which is how the brain and psychology influence the job search and your success at work. I love this topic, and we're going to get really practical today about some of the things that happen in your brain and how they may be tripping you up at work and you don't even know, and then how to use those strategies to be more successful. To help us with that, we welcome Dr. Art Markman. He is a leading cognitive scientist, professor of psychology and marketing at the University of Texas at Austin, and co-host of the popular radio show and podcast, Two Guys on Your Head, on KUT Radio in Austin. Art is also the author of several books. His most recent is Bring Your Brain to Work, Using Cognitive Science to Get a Job, Do It Well, and Advance Your Career. Welcome to Career Talk, Art. Oh, Don, thanks so much. We're excited to have you here. Congrats on your book. Tell us a little bit about who this book is for and what inspired you to write it. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of what happened was I've been writing uh, articles for Fast Company online for several years, and they keep asking me to write stories about the application of, of my field, cognitive science, to work. And it, I began to realize that very few people who are struggling with, do I like my job? Can, am I, can I be productive? Can I solve problems effectively? How can I be a leader? Very few people have, have ever taken a class that will help them to succeed at those, uh, those tasks. And so I thought, well, it's not that those things can't be learned. It's that we're not teaching them. And so I really tried to, to put a lot of, of information about the field of cognitive science, that interdisciplinary mix of psychology and neuroscience and, and anthropology and computer science all together in one place so that people can think about career success and all the lessons that they might, have, uh, they might need but haven't really learned in classes. And in your book, you talk about different different types of brains. You're just you're kind of labeling the parts of the brain as motivational, social, and cognitive, and you use that as a framework throughout your book to talk about these different psychological neuroscience and all of these different processes. So, just as a quick highlight, maybe you can tell us a little bit about those three different types in case they come up later in the show. Yeah, absolutely. So on the motivational side, you know, this motivational brain is really the set of mechanisms we have that engage the goals we have, develop habits, and allow us to be energized to do things or sometimes not energized to do things. And that turns out to be critical at every stage of, of the career. 
Um, there's the social brain, the set of mechanisms we have that allow us to engage with other people, to work together and collaborate effectively, to communicate. Sometimes that goes really well, but often there are lots of things that happen in the workplace, like having to communicate with our colleagues primarily by email or through Slack or something like that, that actually makes our social brain harder to engage effectively. And then there's the cognitive brain, those mechanisms that, that enable us to learn, to uh, take on new information, to solve new problems in new ways. And, and those mechanisms are crucial for the lifelong learning that we need to go through in order to succeed at our career. And then as a bonus, I add the jazz brain, which, is our, uh, which comes out of the fact that I took up the saxophone in my mid-30s. And, and that really is all of the mechanisms we have that enable us to improvise and to really uh, take the knowledge we have and on the fly do something really marvelous. Yeah, and I think for our listeners today, it's not important that you remember all of those titles or what they all do, but I think you offer that in your book as a great framework for, for people to understand kind of where all of these fit in and how it comes together. So I love that you do that. But but we're just we're going to just talk about the brain in general and specifically those things that have been studied in your field, art, cognitive science, and things that maybe we don't know are even influencing how we interact with others, how we go about making decisions, and all those other things that are crucial to both the job search and getting success through promotions and other things at work. And that's what we're talking about today on Career Talk. Hey, you're just tuning in. It's Thursday, noon Eastern. We are live all hour long. So give us a call at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Dr. Art Markman, who is the author of the new book, Bring Your Brain to Work. So, so you talk about a number of things in your book, Art, starting with how to get a job, and then you talk about how to keep a job, and then moving up, and promotions, and all that. So so we're going to kind of touch on those different areas, but let's talk about, you know, in the world of careers, because I think you, you have a story about your son in the beginning, and a lot of people are have graduated recently and are starting out on their careers. What can they expect as they, they start to look for a job or explore what they want to do? Yeah, so I think there's there's several facets of this, one of which is to, to really calibrate yourself right on what it is that you should expect to, 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 to know how to do versus learn to do on the job. And, and so one of the things that happens is I think, you know, students who come out often are not 100% sure what it is that they're capable of doing already. And many of them end up suffering from a version of what's called imposter syndrome, which is this idea that I, I am going to get hired into something that I, a job that I don't really deserve to be in, you know, and and one of my kids, uh, my oldest son, actually took a job in which they offered him a job that he wasn't. Uh, they said, "Look, we're not sure that you're ready for this job yet, but we'd like to offer it to you." And he called me up. He said, "What do I do?" I said, "Take it," <laughs> because if you if you're already 100% qualified for any job that you take on, you have aimed too low. You need to take on a job that's going to allow you to grow, and you want to work for a firm that wants to help you to grow, and you need to learn through the process of applying and interviewing whether the firm is one that really wants to see you grow into a job. And the danger with this notion of imposter syndrome is that if, if you are worried that if people discover that you're not 100% qualified for your job, that they're somehow going to want to get rid of you, then you actually spend a lot of time avoiding telling people the things you don't know how to do. And it's actually really important that you admit your mistakes up front. So the other story I tell about that same son is early on, uh, he made a mistake at work, and one of his colleagues yelled at him. And he, he immediately went to his boss and said, uh, well, here's what went wrong. I got yelled at. I think this is what I did wrong, and, and here's what I think I can do to fix it in the future. And it turns out that that's exactly the sort of thing his boss wanted because she now knew that he was going to come to her as soon as there was something that was a problem. She could now trust that she could give him something to do that was a little bit beyond his abilities, and he would come to her as soon as there was a problem. And and, and that, I think, is a, is a real recipe for success. Hey, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius 
XM132. We're here with Dr. Art Markman talking about his new book, Bring Your Brain to Work. And if you have a question, of course, any and all job search topics are welcome every Thursday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. You can give us a call at 844-942-7866. So, Art, I want to talk about this imposter syndrome because it doesn't only affect people who are just starting out in their career. I think it affects many people at various stages in their career. So they whether they're going for a promotion or maybe they're applying for a job that seems outside of the realm or maybe they've been asked to work on a client that is huge and very visible. So for people who are feeling this way that there, I'm going to be found out. I don't have the skills. What are some ways to, we're going back to the brain science here, to kind of calm yourself down and give yourself the confidence to move forward? Yeah. So I, I think that one of the things that's really important, and, and I think you're absolutely right, it, this is something that happens to people throughout their careers. I think one of the things that we have to recognize is that we have developed a set of habits over the years that we internalized from all of our years in school and still have, no matter how long it, it is that we've been out, that, that our goal in life is to minimize the number of mistakes we make, because that's what, that's what academic success was all about. The people who do best in school are the one who make the ones who make the fewest errors, the fewest mistakes on tests. But actually, in the workplace, mistake-making is a fundamental part of what we do. We try something. If it doesn't work the, the way we wanted it to, we, we want to repair that. We want to fix those mistakes and learn from them. And so I think that no, no matter how big the project is that you're working on, it's never going to work out 100% right in all of its details. And so that requires moving with an orientation that says, I'm, I'm going to be vigilant for what's going wrong. I'm going, to be, I'm going to admit that something's going wrong as quickly as possible in a project, and then work together with other people to repair that problem. And I think a lot of times what happens with people who are suffering from imposter syndrome is something starts to go wrong and they realize that they're not 100% sure what to do and they don't tell anyone. And, and mistakes are easiest to fix when they're small, when they first started. If you hold on to that mistake and you don't let people know, then they find out about it only later when it's much harder to correct for it. So it's really important to own that mistake right up front and then, and then to work with other people to, to help you to fix it. And, and, and anyone who does that actually ends up having success throughout their career. Yeah, and I think one of the things is people move towards, um, you know, higher levels in their career. Now they have a reputation and they, they feel like they have more to lose. So taking risks seems much, to have much more of an impact. So I think, you know, career switchers and people who are thinking of, of doing something different feel this a lot that, hey, I've achieved autonomy in um, this career. I know what I'm doing. I know all the players, but I want to do something different. But that's really scary because I don't have the qualifications to do that. And so so it is about really stepping back and understanding what are my transferable skills? What areas of my life have I done this before? And chances are when you reflect, there's so many things that you started out questioning or a little bit nervous about that turned out great. So I think it is about reflecting. And you, know, you brought up um, education a couple of times are and obviously you are a professor and you're teaching classes and I was really interested to learn that you are the director of something called the human dimensions of organizations program at UT Austin because this is something that that sounds like it's a little bit different from what a lot of other universities offer and it kind of covers some of those things like critical thinking and how to interact with people and how to deal with conflict that maybe we are not learning in the normal classroom. Yeah, so so the idea there was that there are all of these disciplines of the liberal arts, the humanities, the social sciences, the behavioral sciences that are really focused on aspects of the way people function. You know, history is all about conflicts and, and the resolution of those conflicts and, and how people interacted. Philosophy picks apart all of these concepts that we have to help us to understand them and to understand uh, how things can go right or wrong. And, and even to think about the ethics of things. Is lying bad? Well, we always say lying is bad, but, but then there are plenty of times where somebody says, how do I look? And in that moment, you say to them, you look great. Uh, and that was not a bad thing to have done. So so we, we need to make use of these disciplines 
to help us to think about how can we interact effectively with the people that we're going to engage with at work, some of whom are our colleagues and some of whom are the people that we're serving with our organization. And so we've crafted uh, both an undergraduate program and a master's program for people whose primary, the pro- where the primary problems that they face in the workplace each day are people problems, and then try to use this collection of disciplines to help them to solve those problems and to have a real academic basis for thinking about that so that they're, they're, they're better able to handle those people-centered problems on a day-to-day basis. Hey, do you have a people problem at work? Maybe you have conflict on your team. Maybe your boss and you are not seeing eye to eye. But if you do, today's a great day to call because we have Dr. Art Markman on who is a cognitive scientist and he can give you some real world tips for dealing with those issues at work and catapulting yourself to success. You're listening to Career Talk Series XM, channel 132. We are taking your calls all hour if it's Thursday noon Eastern, 844-Wharton, 844-942. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. You can also catch me at Twitter at Dr. Don Graham. So let's talk about education for a second. Um, In your opinion and what you're seeing, whether it's with with your own children or just in universities in general, I mean, are we we not teaching our soon-to-be graduates or soon-to-be leaders what they need to know in the classroom to function effectively in the workplace? I think I think a lot of those lessons are missing, unfortunately. I think that we we do a great job of teaching uh, skills related to particular disciplines, particular majors. But for one thing, many of our college professors haven't spent time in workplaces beyond academia, and so they don't necessarily have experience with that. And, and I think that, that on top of that, we're, we're often so focused on making sure that people get the content from the majors that they've taken that we don't take a step back and recognize that at most universities, fewer than 4% of the students who go uh, to a particular major actually engage in advanced study in that discipline. Most of them go off into a workplace in which that discipline is, is only part of the job that they're going to do. And we don't do a good job of helping students to recognize here are skills that you've acquired through your college education that are going to be critical for being successful at work. And, and students discover that later, but they don't recognize exactly. When we, talk, we use a phrase like critical thinking, they're not 100% sure what that is. They don't realize that they've learned to take problems, pick them apart, uh, figure out things that might go wrong and plan for those in the future. They don't realize how much their undergraduate education has taught them about things like project management because they've had to, had to create a, a schedule that allowed them to get through a whole bunch of different classes. Uh, even though they, they might feel like they had too much work to do, they actually managed to get everything done. So they've got a huge number of job-relevant skills, but we're not actually teaching them that those skills are going to be important for their jobs later. Yeah, and we hear from employers that they are looking for for more job seekers who have critical thinking or can deal with conflict or can work with diverse populations or who can communicate effectively in different ways, who can problem solve and be creative. And so so and we're not teaching these in the classroom. So if you have somebody who's who's getting ready to to go into the workforce, what are some other ways that they can build these skills if they're not getting them in the classroom art? So I think that this is where various modes of experiential learning become so important, whether it's taking on an internship or just, you know, for, for, you know, for, for students, uh, you know, engaging in extracurricular activities in which they have to negotiate with other people who are part of that uh, to move a project forward. Or, you know, more importantly for people not just in school but, but, but beyond school to also engage in, in volunteer organizations because a lot of the problems that come up in the workplace are, are also things that you see in any other kind of organization. And if you, if you take on those opportunities to not just study for exams but actually become a part of an organization, you are forced to think, how would I solve this problem? And that's when you begin to connect things that you learned in classes with the kinds of problems that you're forced to solve. 
And that actually makes you better at articulating what skills you have, which is a really critical part uh, in the job search process. Yeah, I think one of the things we've lost because we carry around a little mini computer in our hands is the art of reflection. And so, so these things are happening. You are learning to be a project manager. You are learning to deal with conflict. But we don't really stop and reflect on those experiences to say, wow, I just built this skill set or I did that well or I need to do that better. And so I do think part of it is that we have to we have to you know teach our um, our new workers to slow down and think about these things because I think a lot of them do have these skills, but it's this idea of not really putting two and two together. Uh, hey, you're just tuning in. We're listening all hour long to Career Talk Series XM 132. We're going to go to the phones right now with Kelly in Maryland. Welcome to the show, Kelly. What's on your mind today? Hi, how are you? Great. What can we do for you today, Kelly? Um, so in thinking about reflection, um, I sort of have a built-in reflection time right now. My husband and I um, just moved for his job to Maryland, and um, I'm currently not working. I'm a teacher, and our first baby is due in October. So um, I'm not going to be working probably until after the baby is born. So I've experienced success in my career, um, but I want to take this time to think about what my next career move is going to be. Um, so I just was wondering, what's the best way to think through my options now, that given that I have this reflection time, so that I can have more direction when I go back to work after my baby is born? Ooh, we love planners. We love planners, Kelly. So good for you for, <laughs> for even thinking about this now, because it sounds like you're very busy. And congratulations on on the Thank new you. baby. That's super exciting. So yeah, great question. So you're, you're wanting to think about how you can prep now for what you'll do next. So let me ask you, are you planning to go back into teaching or are you looking to do something different? So like I said, I, I have experienced a lot of success in the classroom, um, but I'm also kind of entertaining what would be my options outside of a classroom. Um, I have some ideas for maybe some little startup businesses or just kind of how to take my skills and do other things with them. Um, but I guess I don't really know what to consider um, to make the most of this time yeah, you know, to decide whether or not to go to the classroom or to try something new in my career. Great question. I'm glad you're doing this simultaneously because it will serve you well. So, so Art, I know you talk in your book about exploring different careers. And I think one of the, the points, and Kelly, this, this is kind of where you are too, is we don't know what we don't know. The market is changing so incredibly quickly that jobs that didn't exist yesterday now exist. Jobs that, that did exist yesterday are gone. And transferable right. skills are so so useful that there is no no common career path anymore. There's a lot of different jumping points that there's a lot of different structures. There's the gig economy, portfolio career. So there's so many options that it's exciting, but it's a little terrifying as well. Art, what is your advice for Kelly? Yeah, Kelly, this is, and by the way, congratulations on, on the new adventure that you're about to embark on with a, with a, with a child. That's a, one of, one of, one of life's you. great one of one of life's great adventures for sure. Um, one of the things that I talk about in the book early on that comes again later in, in the book as well is is to really begin to take a step back and think about your underlying values. There's a lot of really wonderful research uh, that emerges out of social psychology on on the values that people hold that can run for anywhere from uh, achievement, wanting to be recognized for the things you do, to tradition, really valuing the, the, the traditions and culture around you, and to benevolence, wanting to help the people around you. And the more that you reflect on your own personal values, the more that that can actually help to begin to guide you towards the kinds of, of jobs that you might take in the future that will really resonate with who you are. And so one of, you know, while you have the time and space to do that, really thinking not just about what day-to-day things might you like to do, but what do you really want to accomplish that would, that would allow you to fill, fit those values is something that might, might actually help a lot in, in beginning to narrow down uh, that job search. Yeah, I love that advice, Art, because values mm-hmm. are those things that we tend to spend our time on and are core to us. And if we ignore them, that's where burnout and other other negative consequences come in. So I love values. And you mentioned you're new to this area, Kelly. So I think one of the most helpful things you can do 
over the next several months is start to build your network. Of course, your network can be digital, can be all over the world, but get to talk to people, whether it's neighbors or people in the community or um, you know other people you're meeting in, in different areas of your life because you'll learn about what they do. You'll learn about where they've worked. You'll learn about connections they can introduce you to. And when you are ready to take that step, you'll not only have a clear direction of where you want to go, but you'll have people who are working in those places and who know you and can be a referral and open doors for you. So I think you've got a great opportunity to do that right now while you have the time. Is this helpful? Kelly? This is. I, I really appreciate it. Definitely gives me food for thought. Well, good for you for getting ahead of the game. I'm hoping you're inspiring others who are, are in this position to get started because there are so many things you can do to keep your skills up, to keep your network up, to take a step and reflect. I mean, values are so core, and those may change when you when you start a family. Those may shift a little bit, right. and certain things that weren't important before may be very much now. So I think that's a that's a great tip from Art, and I think it's something that um, you know you and your husband can explore together because your life is about to change in a big way and how does that impact your career so congratulations kelly we're very excited for you and thank you for giving us a call on career talk hey we're here all hour long if it's thursday noon eastern at 844 wharton 844-942-7866 i'm your host dr don graham and hey let's talk about pizza quiz there's a quiz Another favorite topic of mine, pizza. Pizza trends have ranged from healthy to creative to gross, with toppings like sauerkraut, tater tots, dessert pizzas, crust stuffed with cheese to ones made of cauliflower. Villa Italian Kitchen has a new trend that is dividing the pizza world. What is this new trend in pizza? You think you know? Give us a call now at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk Sirius XM Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we will be right back. You're listening to Dr. Don on Careers. On Business Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers, Sirius XM 132. So today's show, we're talking all about the brain and decision making and how all that cognitive stuff is working in our heads. And one of the things that I hear a lot of people say is that most people are longing to return to life as normal. And what we know is that normal is even going to look very different post-pandemic. Humans are incredibly resilient and we will work hard to recreate what we lost. And the fact is the brain thrives on habits. The brain quickly makes sense of new input, categorizes it, and builds these routines to help us be efficient and, quite frankly, comfortable. So it's not a surprise in the midst of all of this ambiguity and change we're experiencing that our old routines seem very consoling and we're in a hurry to get back to them. And some of them are going to be great, like the simple pleasures of gathering with friends or getting a haircut. But one thing I want to talk about as it relates to your career is to be careful about falling back into old habits because the market has transformed and it's going to continue to transform So as tempting as it'll be, because it will be tempting, we're all exhausted, falling back into the same comfortable routines with your career is a mistake. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that are going to be important changes to maintain for career success post-pandemic. So first one is, I I hope everybody's accepting this wake-up call as something that you can do now to prevent what's happening to, um, you can't prevent, sorry, you can't prevent what's happening per se, but you can prevent feeling helpless in the situation. So maybe this is the first time you've been furloughed or the first time that you have uh, been unemployed or the first time that you've even been nervous about the fact that that could happen. But statistically, it's likely you'll experience 
unexpected career setbacks at some point in your career. So if this is your first time, it can be really scary. If it's your third time, it can still be really scary. But recognize that obviously this virus has caused a big impact, but every day there's mergers and acquisitions, industry downturns, technology advances, and so many things happening that can impact your role at any time. So one of the things I hope people take away from this is that while some of these things are out of your control, building job security within yourself through building your skills, building your network, building a strong brand, that is within your control. Maybe you decide that going forward, you want to build multiple income streams, create a portfolio career. These things are in your control. And when you start doing these uh, as a regular habit, then should there be a downturn in the economy in the future, should there be a situation in your company where your role is impacted, you're going to be in a, a much better position to weather that storm and to land on your feet. So, so accept this as a wake-up call is my, my first piece of advice in this. Next, become a tech guru. Now, this wasn't an option before the pandemic, but it certainly is absolutely crucial right now. If you weren't very comfortable with technology and you thought maybe you could just ride it out in your career by learning a few things, that's, that's something that pretty much got wiped away with this pandemic. What we know now is that being able to work from home, being able to use online technologies, different types of communications, different apps, different platforms is going to be so critical in our workforce going forward. So this is the time that you need to be proactive and start learning more about tech and start becoming more comfortable with tech. And the brain is very malleable. And you may think, oh, my, I'm just not designed to be a tech person. Well, here's the deal. The more you push yourself, the more you stretch outside your comfort zone, the more types of tech you learn and get comfortable with, those, those new neural connections are going to form and the more comfortable you're going to get down the road. So I encourage you to start making a plan for yourself to learn a new social media platform or you know go on code academy and take a few classes or try using a platform that is you don't maybe need to use for work but that helps you expand your tech capability and your tech comfortability because this is going to be something that you're going to see rapid changes moving forward. And if you can't keep up, you're going to be left behind. Another thing that I think we're all recognizing right now is visibility is key. If you're doing outstanding work, that's great. But if the only person who knows that is your boss, then your boss has the possibility of getting laid off or, or transitioned. So now you're stuck. So what I think everybody needs to do as we're moving forward is to make sure that you develop a sponsor perhaps in your organization. So somebody who is at the decision-making table who recognizes your skills, or maybe you start to collaborate across departments so that people in different areas of the company or people in, in you know, different um, functions recognize the skills you bring to the table recognize your versatility, know your name, raise your hand for projects outside of your role, and never stop learning. Because when companies need to downsize or when companies need to shift strategy, what's going to happen is the first people to go are going to be those people who are maybe perceived as doing one piece of great work and, you know, and that's it. Maybe that no one else knows who they are. And here's the deal. You know, no one's irreplaceable. That's, you know, that's a fact. But what you probably have seen is that some employees are more essential than others. And that's the group you want to be in. So if you're looking for more ways to be visible, I actually did a LinkedIn learning course on this. So if you go on LinkedIn and go to LinkedIn learning, you can find that course. And LinkedIn is offering that actually for free for a limited time. So if you have premium, it's free anyway. If you don't, you can get that for free for a limited time based on LinkedIn's algorithms. Another thing that I'm gonna say is diversify. So most people put all of their kind of proverbial eggs in one employer basket, meaning that 
you know, we have a nine to five job or whatever our job is, we work 40 hours a week and we get all of our benefits, all of our pay, everything comes from that company. So if you lose that job, basically you lose everything. Here's the deal. Portfolio careers are becoming much more popular for a number of reasons, because companies are doing a lot more gigs and and contractors and things like that. Another reason is people are just interested in a variety of different things and they want to do a variety of different things. So if you haven't thought about creating a portfolio career, which is essentially getting your income from multiple streams, then this might be a really great time to do that. Maybe, um, and I know things are really difficult right now and people don't have a lot of side cash to start a side hustle or things like that, but sometimes the most creative ideas come when resources are sparse. So think about when we start emerging from this, how you can create multiple streams of income. Maybe you learn affiliate marketing on online. Maybe you find seasonal work that helps you build up your emergency fund. Maybe you invest in in something, or maybe you do start a side gig that brings in some cash, or maybe you decide to get um, a part-time job that will help, again, bring in money that you can save for a rainy day. But just think about diversifying your income stream, because not only is this a great way to be able to save for a rainy day and help protect yourself if something in your company does go awry, but it helps you learn new skills. It helps you meet new people. And all of those things are going to protect you if a situation happens where the economy takes a shift because you're going to have multiple options now. The other thing I want to say is keep up your connections. So if you're like many, you've probably reestablished contacts with people who you once knew well but have lost touch with. So I'm hearing this a lot that people are finding, um, you know, old friends or, or old classmates or former neighbors online and they're reaching out and they're reconnecting and they're getting acquainted again. And this is so cool because since you've known them, you've gone on to create new circles. They've gone on to create new circles and do different things. And you are, in essence, building and strengthening your network, which is awesome. So this is one of the cool side effects, I think, that has come out of this pandemic. And one of the things your brain is going to want to do once it gets back into old habits is to stop doing this. You know, you're going to get up, you're going to go to work, you're going to get back into your daily routines, and you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember I connected with this person, but I don't know what has happened since. But do keep this as something that you do regularly. You're getting back into your mode where where networking in new ways is becoming a new routine. And I encourage you, once we go back to whatever the new normal is, that you make networking a priority. Because I guarantee you, when the economy turns, when your company goes through a layoff, when you're finding yourself in a situation where you are in a job search, your network is going to be one of the best sources of opportunities that comes along. Last thing I want to say is recognize the changes in yourself. It's probably a little bit difficult to see some of these changes because they're probably gradual. However, whether you realize it or not, you've gained critical skills in adaptability, resilience, Creativity, contingency planning, uh, probably some new tech skills for sure. So take a minute to reflect on these and process how can they make you more marketable in our new economy when we return to work. So don't, again, the brain is going to want to very quickly, once you get back into your old environment, fall back into your old habits, and you're going to want to, you know, go back to your old solutions. You're going to be in very tempted to to problem solve in the same way you did before, but I encourage you to fight that that piece of your brain that's encouraging you to move towards comfortability. Because if you're always hanging out in the comfortability space, chances are you're not stretching yourself and you're not learning. 
And one thing we know from the situation that's happening right now is that we all need to learn to do things different ways. We all need to be able to walk through an ambiguous situation and figure it out. And we all need to be able to to function with fewer resources and in different ways. And we're learning how to do this. Whether or not you've stopped to take a look at that or not, we are learning how to do this. Our brain and its neural connections are shifting in different ways. And it's very cool. So take a minute to notice this and, you know, kind of map out what this can do for your career, maybe how you can get involved in different projects in new ways or what projects you can apply this to. Because I guarantee that these are skills that are happening, whether you realize it or not. And these are going to be very useful as you move forward in your career. So I hope some of these these skills and tips are going to be useful to you. As you're tempted to dive back into old routines, just be aware that if you resist that when it comes to your career and you take some of these new skills you're learning, new abilities you're learning, and new habits you're creating, you're going to be on a path to career success once we move past this global pandemic. So happy hunting. If you're just tuning in, we are in the middle of the best of career talk with Dr. Art Markman, and we're talking about his latest book, Bring Your Brain to Work, Using Cognitive Science to Get a Job, Do It Well, and Advance Your Career. And if you've missed any of the episodes as of late, you can get them all on iTunes, Google Play, and Acast, where you just type in Dr. Dawn on Careers, and you'll see all of our latest shows. You can also check out my website, www.drdawnoncareers.com, where we also post all of my blogs, shows, TEDx talk and everything that you need to help you be successful in your career. You're listening to Sirius XM 132. We are talking all about the brain at work, and we are here with Dr. Art Markman, who is the author of Bring Your Brain to Work, the new book talking all about how the brain is involved with getting a job, keeping a job, and moving on up. And Art, how can people reach you after the show if they'd like more information? Yeah, always love to hear from people. Easiest to find on Twitter, on uh, on Facebook. I have an author page on LinkedIn. Love to hear from people. You can also check out some of the things I've written at smartthinkingbook.com, which has some blog entries and, and links to some of my books. Fantastic. And let's talk a little bit about, um, you talk in your book about getting hired and what recruiters are looking for. And one of the things that I love that you talk about is um, the presenter's paradox and that at each stage, recruiters think differently because I'm such an advocate of this. So tell tell our listeners what that is, Art. Yes, the presenter's paradox is this interesting idea that when you're creating a presentation of yourself, say, on a resume, you think to yourself, i got to throw in every single good thing about myself I can think of, whether it's great or just kind of good. So, you know, that, that honorable mention I got in this competition that I was a part of, I should toss that in. And the assumption behind that is that when recruiters are looking at that resume, they're just adding up the total amount of goodness that they can find about you. But in fact, when people evaluate something like a resume, they're not adding a bunch of stuff. What they're really doing is averaging. And so four amazing things and one mediocre thing is actually worse than four amazing things without the mediocre thing. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is to the extent that you have some choice about what to include on your resume, you should focus on presenting just the absolute best stuff about yourself. And those things like those honorable mentions, yeah, maybe you ought to leave those off to the side. Yeah, I love that because I I always say to my clients, don't let the great be hidden in the good. Because in addition to them averaging, they also don't take time to read everything. And maybe what their eyes hone in on are the things that are okay, but not your best or most relevant skills. So I love that you talk about the fact that too, that the first stages of the recruiting process are all about elimination, not selection. And it's obviously a very different brain process. And they're looking for reasons to knock you out until the end, the very end. Then it switches in their brain to look for, and you talk about reason-based choice. So talk a little bit about this, because I think this is something that people 
can get such a competitive advantage in the job search if they understand. Yeah. So, so again, you know, early on recruiters are rejecting, so don't give them an easy reason to reject you. Make sure you're not using comic sans on your resume uh, and, and, and make sure you haven't, there aren't any typos or anything like that. I mean, all that stuff that's going to get you kicked out, you want to make sure that, you, that, you, that you're not uh, giving people an obvious reason to reject you. And then when it comes time to the, the process of going from the, the medium-sized list to that real short list where, people are, where recruiters are going to be uh, interviewing you, you want to try to find a, help them to craft a reason for picking you over everybody else. Because at the end of the day, a lot of recruiters are going to have to justify why they chose a particular candidate to interview. And the more that you can actually help them to craft a story about why you're the person that they want to pick, the, the easier it is for you to get included in that, uh, that final list of people who get the interview. Yeah, I love that. We call that doing the work for them, giving them the language to pass on to the other people on their team or the hiring manager, whoever it is is going to make that decision. Give them why you're relevant to that specific job, not just your general strengths, but why you're going to be a fit. I love that. Right. Hey, yeah. a, and, a, that's, and that's, yeah, and, 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 and that requires some work on your part. A lot of work. Actually, I'm going to just put it out there. That requires a lot of work. You have to research your audience. You have to understand the market. You have to understand what their biggest pain points are and then how your skills relate to that and can fix that. And a lot of people hear that and they think, oh, I, that's, that's a lot of work and I don't even know if I can do that. But the fact is you can. And there's there's steps to do it. And I think that's why it's better to not paper the world with your resume looking to get a job, but spend that time really focusing and honing in on, on, on a few jobs where you can get referrals, you can do your research, and you can be the candidate of choice. You're going to be a lot more successful in that job search. Hey, you're listening to Career Talk. 844-Wharton, 844-942-7866. We're here with Dr. Art Markman, who is the author of the new book, Bring Your Brain to Work. He is also a cognitive scientist. And we're talking all about cognitive biases. But if you have a question on any and all job search topics, we'd love to hear from you. And maybe, maybe you're wondering if you should cut your losses on something. That is such a hard decision to make. Let us help you here on Career Talk, 844-942-7866. But right now, since it's lunchtime, we have to talk about pizza in our pre-break quiz. So, so Dion, what is the new trend that is having <laughs> people frenzied and divided around pizza? I mean, so much has been done with pizza already. It, it's kind of hard to come up with something new. No, it's not. This one's good. Really? Yeah, this one's good. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's probably not going to be what I'm about to say then. Remember, I'm a big fan. That's your hint. See, that's the thing. I don't think you're, you'd be a fan of, of my answer. Okay. Because my answer is cutting the round pizza into squares. Yeah, not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. Not a fan. I don't know who came up with that, but they were not from Wait, that, New Jersey. That's, that's happening now? <laughs> no, they do that. Doesn't Domino's do that? Oh. One of them does. I, I, I don't know. It's blasphemy, yeah. <laughs> but... Get up on well, your pizza so trends. So it's pineapple on pizza, but that's a whole Yeah, no, there, there's... What? What? Pineapple on pizza is... Blasphemy. Not blasphemy. No, no, no. No. There should be pineapple on every pizza. Whoa. A a plain pizza should just come with pineapple. (laughs) Slow down. All right. I love, oh yeah, but here's the thing. You can't cut it in little squares because the whole thing is is that pizza's round comes in a square box and is cut in triangles, and that's just what a pizza is. I never thought about that. Yeah. That's that's, that's geometry, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of geometry. Okay. <laughs> Pineapples should be on pizzas. Michelle, what's your answer? I'm going to go, because you've said three times now how much you love it, I'm going to go with your Halloween love and say candy corn. Oh, oh. That sounds horrendous, by the way. That does I mean, sound that would be horrendous. controversial, no? It would be controversial. I do love Halloween. It is not candy corn, mm. but that was that was a good putting together. All right. Solid guess, right? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you that for $2.75, at participating Villa Italian Kitchens, you can order just the crusts. You'll get five to six crust lumps. Wait, crust lumps. 
arranged in the shape of a slice of a pizza. And these are not just crust. They actually cut them off the pizza. That's called breadsticks. Thank you. That's no, what I, no. That's, but that's, what, that's what's on I my face I knew you were going right to say that. I knew you were going to say that. But they actually cut them off the pizza because there's, it's different. But what do they do with the pizza It's then? different. I don't know. I remember when that trend came out about muffin tops and everyone just wanted the top. What did they do with the muffins? I don't know. That was a Seinfeld episode. That was a Seinfeld. Oh, very good, Dion. I'm impressed. All right, I'm impressed. That's our second Seinfeld episode reference today. Is it? Yeah, because we, we were just talking about the vault off the air. Oh, yeah, the vault. Yeah. yeah. I, I can reference Seinfeld all day. But yeah, just the crusts. So I'm a fan. I love the crusts. I don't think it's just the handle of the pizza. Hey, do you agree or disagree? Well, we'll throw a poll up on Twitter. Just the crust, thumbs up or thumbs down? I need to know what's happening with the rest of the pizza. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Well, there are some people who don't eat the crust, so I'm sure it's a win-win. So so they just sell pizza without the crust? Yes. Do you know how many people cut the don't eat the crust? I'd buy that. Yeah. So, so yeah. So if me and Michelle went out for pizza, we'd have a splendid time. (laughs) She'd eat the pizza. I'd eat the crust. It would be it would be lovely. Hey, eight four four Wharton, eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM channel one thirty two, and we're talking all about bring your brain to work with Dr. Art Markman, who is a leading cognitive scientist. So as we're as we're wrapping up, um, we talk. Uh, obviously, a lot of people are nervous in an interview and you talk about choking and first impressions being being very important uh, how can you how can you reduce that anxiety that the brain imposes on you in an interview and calm yourself down so you could present yourself in the best way possible art yeah the best possible thing you can do is to remember that a lot of what they're trying to do in that interview is to figure out whether you're the sort of person that they want to work with and you've already passed through a big hurdle by just getting that interview in the first place so treat that interview as a collaboration not as an exam if you go in and you think you're being examined well then uh... there's you can understand why you'd get so nervous about it. But if you're just going in to have a conversation with someone where you're evaluating them as much as they're evaluating you, now it's, it's much less nerve-wracking. And it also opens up opportunities. For example, if they ask you a question and you're not sure how to answer it, engage in a conversation instead. You know, it's not like a test where you ask the teacher to clarify the question and the teacher goes, I can't do that. No, I mean, you know, talk to the person, have a conversation, get to know more about the way that the firm approaches these kinds of problems. Because now it's not, you know, now there's, there's no horrible downside to, to having a conversation with someone as opposed to the prospect that you could fail an exam. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pay attention to those messages in your head. What are you telling yourself as you walk in there that this is a great opportunity or that if I don't do well on this, something bad's going to happen? You really have to pay attention to those those things you're telling yourself because guess what? Your brain will believe you. So, so switch your messages and you're going to switch your success. Hey, it's been great having you on the show. Art, one last time, we're can people reach you if they want more information? Yeah, thanks so much, Don. This has been great. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn, and you can also find out more information about my books and other things I write at smartthinkingbook.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. This has been interesting. I love talking about psychology and the brain, and I'm sure that you've given our listeners a lot of things to think about. And hey, um, Michelle and Dion, it's always fun to hang with you guys and to talk about pizza and of course to all of our callers and listeners we are here every week on career talk live for you on sirius xm channel 132 so check us out and if you want to check out some back issues dr dawn on careers on itunes and google play is where you can catch our prior shows thank you for joining us and we will see you next time Insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.